Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Bismillah walhamdulillah wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Welcome to all the viewers from wherever you are all over the world. Alhamdulillah. Our today uh, today it's me and Chakababa only today. Uh, Sheikh Hatim is away in Africa doing some good work over there alhamdulillah and we have brother Muhammad is away in Australia at the moment. Chakababa assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. How are you Sheikh? Walaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh wa maghfirat wa alhamdulillah, I'm very well. And how are you? Good alhamdulillah, Sheikh. Good, good, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Um, Sheikh, today the program is about um, discussing about opening our door, opening the masjid. How do we make masjid more welcoming? And I've picked a couple of videos, clips that I wanted to share today. Yeah. And inshallah, we'll discuss that. So we'll start with this clip from one of the uh, brother. He's not a Muslim, as I understood it. And what he does, he travels all over uh, the world. So this was one of his experience while he was in Brunei. So we'll put it on the video now, inshallah. About all the nice things I can say about Brunei. So when I arrived on my very first day in the capital city called Bangar Seri Begawan, I was super excited to visit the amazingly beautiful mosque. So I went inside, I was dressed in my proper attire, I took off my shoes for respect, and after five minutes of being inside, I was aggressively kicked out by two locals for reasons that I don't know why. I was there on a Monday afternoon and it wasn't during prayer time, I was just like any other tourist trying to check it out. And all these guys had to do was politely tell me to leave and that would have been fine. But I was bullied my way out the door and that thought cannot leave my mind to this day. It's about all the night. So, Sheikh, so the video is, uh, so basically the brother was saying that, you know, he was in Brunei. And Brunei has many beautiful mosques. Alhamdulillah, the majority are Muslims in, in Brunei. Even the Sultan is Muslim. Uh, and he was excited to visit one of the local mosques, right? And subhanAllah, he put a excellent effort, right? He, he even dressed up like the, uh, I think, I, I, the video was quite fast. So I think he dressed up like one of the uh, Malay attires um, to go to attend the mosque. He put an effort in there. And he was very, you know, understood some rules and uh, perhaps because his brother traveled quite a lot, so he understands some rules around it. And he took off his genitals and he went into the mosque. And it wasn't a prayer time. So I presume it was, sound like it wasn't a busy time. So Alhamdulillah. So, you know, so what happened, two locals came and essentially was very rough towards him and kicking up from the masjid, right? And, and his video, that one video that he did, I believe it was over 8 million views. And people were commenting a lot because of this, right? Because one little incident happened and, and not many millions of people are watching it. And people might have misunderstood about Islam because of the two small actions. It sounds small. Somewhere far away in Brunei. However, now it is you know, sort of affecting the whole community all over the world because of the way of the social media works. What's your take on this, Sheikh? A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wassalatu wassalamu ala sayyidil mursalin nabina Muhammadin wa ala ali wa sahbihi wa sallamu wa ba'd. First of all, we need to understand that uh, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us in the Quran, Ba'da'udhu billahi minash shaitan rajim, bismillahi rahman rahim wa anna al-masajid lillahi falata duma allahi ahada. And certainly the masajid, the mosque, are 
belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So do not worship anyone with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do not worship anything but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And uh, for the hadith where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that Habbul biqai fil ardu ila Allahi masajiduha that uh, part of the hadith says that uh, the most beloved place to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on earth are the masajid, the mosque where people go and pray. Um, that video is, uh, it was a mistake for the people who have forced him to get out of the masjid. That was wrong. Even if no one was seeing it, even if no one, even if he wasn't filming it, even if he doesn't have anything to do with social media, it was wrong for them to kick him out in that manner because he wasn't harming himself, he wasn't harming anyone else, and he wasn't destroying the masjid. And uh, Allahu Alam, for the brothers or the people who kicked him out, they have made a mistake. We pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive them. We need to be mindful of incidences like these because it could be the one that makes it or breaks it. I mean, if a non-Muslim is coming to a masjid, they need to be guided. They need to be told of the importance of the masjid and the etiquette of uh, a masjid and giving them da'wah and inviting them to Islam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alam. Zakallah khairan, Sheikh. I just got another video, right? Yeah. So that was from a non-Muslim perspective. Yeah. Who travel um, in a, and visited uh, Brunei, and under brother, brother, brother SQ. So I'm just gonna put on this video. Uh, this is quite um, emotional, but we'll watch it inshallah, so we can learn from this. Mm -hmm. I'm not a Muslim because I have tattoos. What they look like? What they look like? It's his face. Oh, no. wait, wait, wait. Get off me! Get off me! It's him. These are, I'm not a Muslim. Shit! He said I'm not a Muslim because I have tattoos. He said I'm not a Muslim because I have tattoos. Wallahi! In my own, in my own community, in my own community, saying this about me because I have tattoos. Fear Allah. Fear Allah. Fear Allah. I'm not a Muslim because I have tattoos. Look how jahil this person is. That's jahil. Wallahi. Wallahi. You All right, Sheikh. So, obviously, the brother was quite emotional. And I thought, you know, we'll share that video as well. So, Brother SQ, uh, he wasn't born as a Muslim, as we understand. And until he, and he can be converted to Islam and he accepted Islam. So of course you know uh, you know and we are seeing many of this now and i, I and i think uh, many people are aware of this now because tattoo become a big thing um, for those who are not muslim they practice something or practice openly in the past it was quite rare uh, but now there are so many people who have tattoos right and there are many people who have tattoos like this who end up becoming a muslims and and sometimes you know i see on the youtube video that some brothers who have full face tattoo you know with some crazy things on the face, right? But they found Islam, they become Muslim, and they put an effort to get rid of it. Some some people have it on their hands, on their arms, and things like that. You know, some of them are a bit too much. And the process of removing tattoo tattoo is not cheap. It's expensive and takes you know 
copious amount of time, a lot of time to actually do that. So obviously, Brother Askew still have his tattoos. He became Muslim. And, and of course, as we all know, when someone accepted Islam, the past sins are forgiven. Right, Shea? Yes. So, so you know, there is no, you know, he. that's what he has done before. But in Alhamdulillah, inshallah, as long as he's not getting tattoos anymore, that's not a problem, right? So now, Shea, let's talk about that, actually. Number one here, you know, the tattoo issues that we have uh, tattoo. And number two, is it something that like compulsory for these brothers who or sisters who accepted Islam to get rid of this? And uh, number two, you know, how the simple action like this can actually push someone out of the community of our own community and that person may leave Islam because of this action, of this ignorant action, shall I say. So, Sheikh. I feel uh, sorry for the brother who was harassed and kicked out of the masjid in that manner. It is not the it is not right. I mean, uh, he had that before becoming Muslim, and now he has found Islam. And it does not mean him having them takes him out of the umbrella of Islam. And there shouldn't be the reason and the mean for him to be kicked out of the masjid. Um, we know there's a very well-known hadith that a companion came into the masjid of an Nabawi and he urinated in one of the corners of the masjid. And the companion started, uh, you know, telling him off. And Rasulullah sallam told them, no, don't disturb him. In today's language, let him finish his business. After he finished, Rasulullah called him and said to him, look, this masjid was not built for this. And, you know, go and clean your act. And he went, he did it. And for the following Salat, when Rasulullah was leading, when he said from the Ruku, Sami Allahu liman hamida, Allah hears, Allah answers those who, the one who glorifies him. And that companion said, Allah have mercy on me and on your messenger Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam only, not anyone else. So he still was upset of the incidents that had taken place early. And Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam after salat called and said, uh, "Who was that supplicator?" And he called him. He said, "Come." He said, "Next time you supplicate, generalize. Include f include everyone." You know, if this happened during the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and we need to be mindful how we deal with Muslims and non-Muslims. By Allah, some of these uh, revert sisters, and I hate the word revert. But all I can say is some of the newly Muslims, brothers and sisters, they practice this deen, they hold on to it, they practice the sunnah more than a person who says, I was born Muslim. We all know the hadith that we all are born Muslim. We all know that. But those who take Islam newly, many of them practice the deen, they hold on to the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam more than those who were born to families whose parents were Muslims at the time of birth. We need to make our masajid um, open and useful for the hour.
we need to do that. If we harassing people and people are seeing videos like this, it keeps the people away from the deen. It gives the bad image, which does not represent Muslims and Islam at all. In 2014, I'm not going to name the country or the brother, we were going for a Hajj and we stopped at a destination. And when we came to the immigration counter, this brother, when he gave his passport, and there were some tattoos on his arm and the immigration officer said to him, you need to remove your tattoos before you go for Hajj. I'm like, we are already on our way for Hajj. How can he do that? But I didn't make any comment. I just said to the brother, take it easy. Don't say nothing. And Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, the brother listened. And we, we went through and we went and we performed the Hajj. We came back. And to date, that brother is still attached to masjid. So, alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen, as Muslims, we need to be very careful. And we owe a sincere apology to these uh, brothers who's been manhandled in the masjid, the place that uh, belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, there are people who build it, there are people who maintain it and who looks after it, but it is built for Muslims. If one is not coming there to cause any harm or to do anything wrong, then people should not be manhandled or should not be kicked out of the masajid. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alam. Sometimes, um, actually the other day I saw a video, um, one of the uh, um, brothers, uh, he mentioned that uh, at times the people who run the masjid um, tend to be those who are professionals and are people those who have money sometimes. And this was one of the comments. Uh, I think it was obviously from the the US. I think the brother is in the US, United States of America. Um, but I'm not sure how true it is or whatnot. But he was saying that you know most people who build masjid, who put an effort to do masjid, uh, tend to be people of those who have wealth. And this can be professionals, you know, who uh, do well, businessmen and things like that. And unfortunately, sometimes these brothers, uh, who, even though they have a good intention, they do not have a, a good understanding of Islam. So like I, I'm reading a comment here that mentioned about, you know, it's very important to have some knowledge. So this is a very unfortunate state sometimes. Uh, it just happens everywhere, whether you are in a Muslim majority country or even in the West. It's sometimes quite true. You know, I remember that, you know, for me, it tend to be those who are in the higher position, not the one that have a position in the masjid. It happens in Malaysia also. You know, you tend to put someone who are the um, doctors, professors, engineers, or businessmen, and they're the one on the on the on the on the ladder on the on the uh, mosque management. So perhaps I think you know we also we need to look into this as well. Um, you know, yes, you know, and the brothers who have the um, put the money and whatnot. Now, alhamdulillah, you know, we all want something good out of it, right? So sometimes we do have to let other people who have the knowledge to actually do some decision or make certain decisions. And we need to seek help. You know, we don't have we don't have to have the whole knowledge because no one can know the whole knowledge, right? But it's in, in important to go and know what you don't know and go and ask help. What's your take on that, my uh, uh, my comment? There? This is one of the comments that I, I've read online, yeah. And of course, there's a few brothers mentioned here and I'll come in here today. Yeah, I mean, uh, yes, people might have money, people might have status in Allah 
give them the ways to build a masjid, but it doesn't give them the license. It doesn't warrant for them to be not approachable, for them to be harsh with others. You know, let's see what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did first when he migrated from Makkah to Medina. The first thing he did was to build the masjid. Secondly, what he did was to unite, bring the bridge brotherhood between the Muhajirin and the Ansar. We know that and we know also in his masjid, they were people who were very, very poor. They didn't have anything. They were called Ashabu Sufa. So we need to look at that and take lessons from that and say, okay, Allah has given me the opportunity to build a masjid, but it doesn't give me the license or the warrant for me to be harsh to people in the masjid, be it Muslim or non-Muslim. We have to understand, particularly when it comes for dealing with non-Muslims, is that uh, one individual's action will be seen as the manner of Islam. People tend not to differentiate between Islam and between Muslim, and Islam is what Muslims supposed to be. And Muslims sometimes might not be doing what Islam, what they are supposed to do Islamically. So differentiating that and also putting in mind that my action will reflect not just on me or on my masjid, but it will reflect to all the masjid, to, to all the Muslims negatively, which is absolutely wrong, it is not acceptable. Wallah subhanahu wa ta'ala alam. Allah knows best. Zakallah khairan, Shaykh. I wanted to put one more point as well, Shaykh. Um, yeah. uh, sometimes, uh, you know, as you know, I have children, you know, and they are young children, and I've always trained them to uh, go to the front row whenever we attend, uh, we go into a masjid. Uh, because this is the teaching of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and we have to fight for the front row because there's more rewards for that as well. Yeah. Sometimes, Sheikh, you know, my kids are being told to go to the back, right, when they were in the front row, in some masjids, not all masjids. Yeah. And and I think, again, this is something that, uh, you know, we go about with the knowledge just now. Is is there such a rule, Sheikh, I mean, from your understanding Sharia that you know the kids has to be praying at the back when they were there they were eager so eager to come early sit in the masjid during Juma, just to be told later that you know you need to reserve it for the older the older one at the front and you have to go at the back because you are kids alhamdulillah my knowledge is this small or even smaller than this i have only come across of one hadith i believe that hadith had some issues. The scholars had different views and different opinion on the hadith to say the children are to pray at the back. Look, if an older person or a matured person want to have the first line, let them come very early. A scholar was asked once, why do you go to the masjid early before the muazzin? He said, the adhan is to remind the lazies. 
he said al azan lil kusala he said the azan is to remind the lazies i want to be in the masjid before the azan so if someone of hierarchies or higher status or so called scholars if they want to have the first line then they need to go to the masjid early children particularly for those who live in the west like us our children need to be welcome to the masjid the environment have to be created for them so they love to come to the masjid i know someone whose grandson is 9 year old whenever he is told to go to the masjid or i'm going to the masjid or come let's go to the masjid he pees on his pants because of the bad experience he had you know we need to fear allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we need to have mercy on our children we need to be mindful of the right of the believers and particularly the children our children are our future leaders if you are kicking them at the back we don't allow them to pray in the first line if they were there early i mean how would they learn how will they learn how will they perform how will they know how things are done islamically it is paramount for a father or guardian or caregiver whenever you go into a masjid with a minor or with a kids for you to hold them for you to put them beside you because the mistake we do we say to the kids go at the back we know when kids are left alone at the back adults are praying in front when we are praying they are playing also we need to have patient by making sure that uh, we teach our children hey we going to the masjid when you go please don't misbehave you have to sit beside dad or beside mommy you know you don't you don't run around we teach them all that we make the masjid we make it very very attractive for them to come to i'll say a story several years ago i will say that is more than 10 years now i happen to be in a vehicle with a 5 year old and one of the adult in the vehicle said uh, we going to the masjid and that adult named the masjid and that kid said oh i remember there was a monthly there was a lecture and he named he said the imam cried because they were talking they were showing how someone be to be buried and for a five year old to have that memory in her head to remember that and to remember that we need to remember when we manhandle the children or we kick them at the back row in the masjid it is something they will remember too it is something they will remember too so we have to make the masjid uh, first of all the parent have to take responsibility parent and caregivers and guidance need to take complete responsibility for being with the kids and managing them and the musallin need to take the responsibility of accepting and making the the environment open for the children and safe and inviting for them to come and learn 
and because they are our future leaders hmm. there's no way around it hmm. wallahu alam jazakallah khairan sheikh um there is another video we're gonna share inshallah yeah this is brother uh i'm not sure how to pronounce his name yep. but i know yep. his nickname is napoleon okay and okay. this brother sheikh is um I think he was born in the 70s and he used to be a former rapper of Tupac's, the gang called Outlaws, right? And he converted to Islam. I believe he was born in, uh, um, I think his parents uh, were Muslim. So his name is Mota Wasin Shabazz Bill, but he was raised by his grandmother who was Christian, right? And so I'll play the clip and I will go into context about it. And, you know, the story is about how he go to the mosque with the 20 people. He even bring guns to go to the mosque. So we'll play that video and then I'll explain to you the context of this video. And let me know if you have uh, trouble with the audio. 20, about 20 of us. And I walked into the mansion and it caught me off guard. Because I seen things inside the mansion that I didn't see in the entertainment industry. I didn't see in my community, I seen brotherhood that I didn't know, that I didn't believe can exist. When I walk into the masjid, it was a predominantly black American masjid, African American masjid, but I noticed I seen white Americans, I seen Arab Americans, Pakistanis Americans, and everybody was hugging each other, everybody was joking and laughing with each other. So this was a brotherhood that I seen that cross skin color, race, it didn't matter, they all was one body. And I was different growing up in church. In church and growing up in American church, if you go to this church, it's either all black church or it's a white church or Korean church, Asian church. You never really see multicultures within a church in America. So this was the first time I entered a place of worship, 20, about 20 of us. And I walked into the man. So the context of the video, Sheikh, I believe he, he borrowed some money from one of the brother, who's a Muslim. And and he owed the brother some money, and I understand that he the brother I didn't ask him to pay back the money. He said, "Look, come to the mosque with me." So that was his invitation, right? And again, I wanted to reflect on this: how one little action like this sometimes much better than the money that the worth of, the one of money that you have. And this brother Napoleon now, brother Mutai, brother Napoleon, he now lives in Saudi, I believe, Sheikh, and he has a coffee shop over there. So, inshallah, one day when we go to Saudi, we will visit him in this coffee shop, inshallah. Inshallah. Uh, so, so, this brother, you know, uh, Brother Muhammad always mentioned his name right, in, in, our, in our podcast. He, he, this brother was with Tupac. He was all these blings, you know, singing and rapping. He was on top of his game. On top of his game until, you know, he decided to go and learn, you know, get in touch with the Muslims. And then somehow, you know, end up Allah upon his heart, obviously, and he accepted Islam. And and I just wanted to reflect because he was saying that, you know, he went with that gang of 20 people. They even brought guns to go to the mosque. He doesn't even know. And I think the brother said, what, what do I do at the mosque? It's because he doesn't even know how to pray. He said, look, the brother said, just come and follow us and follow us in our prayer. Just do whatever we do. Just follow us. Right. And don't worry about anything else. Okay. Just follow us and see how it goes. And. On this video, there was another video, but I won't show it here. 
there was another video of her sister. You know, she was wearing, uh, uh, you know, obviously not very modest, but she went into the Muslim prayer room, the men's side. And she saw the, the people were praying, the jama'ah was happening, and she decided to come in and started praying with the, with the way how she is and following the imam, right? And just imagine, Sheikh, you know, how, you know, that, that my, from my understanding, I'm not sure whether it's true or not because I don't know where the, when, when this happened. This is on the social media. The sister ended up accepting Islam after that. Just imagine if she were to be kicked out because of the way how she dressed. And people were praying at that time, so that you, you can't stop praying anyway, so you just continue praying. But, you know, it's after the prayer. How do people react? Do people start screaming and yelling and telling her off? Or do people actually look, uh, look welcome, you know, and then just be nice and gentle and explain things, like the way how you explain that uh, the man, the Bedouin, who go and pee in the masjid. Can't be any worse than that, right? <laughs> and uh, so, subhanAllah, so I heard the sisters accepted Islam. So, again, I'm not sure that it's true or not, but this is the, the, the story. And here, brother, brother Napoleon here, I'll call him brother Napoleon, that's the name I know him with. So, you know, he accepted Islam because of these simple actions. And I think we Muslims, we need to bring more of our colleagues, our work uh, colleagues, our friends, our families who are not yet Muslim to come to the masjid often. And I think this is also a message from me, my personal message from me to everyone. If you are in a mosque, masjid management, mosque management, please open the door for everyone. Make regular programs, regular activities, get, F, get everyone involved. This will be beneficial for not just us as a community, it will be sure that we are part of the community. MashaAllah, this is a very good uh, video, better than the first two. <laughs> of course, uh, yes. Better than the first two. As we were saying before, we need to be mindful of being Muslim, how we behave and how we deal with others. All that will be reflecting on our Islamic faith. And uh, we have to remember what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam everything used to happen from the masjid. If it is uh, reconciling between people who have this agreement, it takes place in the masjid. Before going to the battle, people have to come to the masjid. People depart from the masjid. The masjid should be as it is the most beloved place to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we need to learn the adab of the masjid, the etiquette, the manners on how to deal with our own self and with other people, Muslim and non-Muslim, and even the masjid, how to deal with the masjid, how to behave with the masjid, because it is most beloved place to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We need to learn that. We need to know that. We also need to understand that uh, a Muslim is a mirror for another Muslim. For another Muslim. And that sister whom you mentioned her story, who accepted Islam, have she been kicked out or dragged out because the way she dressed, Allah knows if she would have accepted Islam on that day. But it is, the manners is very important. That is why Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam warned us and he said, the 
closest one, the most closest one to me in Jannah is the best one among you. And the best one among you is the one who is best to his families. Generally, people, when we mention families, the Islamic, the Islamic Brotherhood have no boundaries. It have no culture. We just heard what that brother said. That should remind us the ayah when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stated, I created you, min zakarin wa unsa, from men and women, wajalnaakum shuban wa kabaila litaarafu. And we made you tribes and nations for you to know each other's. And what did he say at the end? In akramakum indallah atakakum. The most respected among you to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who is mindful of Allah the most, the one who fears Allah the most. He didn't say the black, he didn't say the white, he did not say man or woman, the rich or the poor or the healthy or the wealthy. It mm. is the one with the attaqwa, the one with the always be mindful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Always before you say anything, think about it. Is this allowed? If it is allowed, say it politely. If it is not allowed, don't. And remember, whatever is in your mouth, before you utter it, you control it. But after you let it go, you cannot put that word into your mouth again. Those are for the first two videos, even if the brothers or the entire Muslim Ummah were to apologize for those two, two brothers who were manhandled, who had an awful experience in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it will not change the situation, it will not change the condition because it has already happened. Damage is already done. We pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us good manners. May Allah okay. subhanahu wa ta'ala make us approachable to others. Let's remember what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was told by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلَوْ كُنْتَ فَزْدَنَ غَلِيزَ الْقَلْبِ لَمْ فَضُّ مِنْ حَوْلِكَ If you were heart-heartened, people would have run away from you. We need to be soft. We need to be respecting, treating people with dignity and respect, be it Muslim and non-Muslim. Zakallah khairan, Sheikh. Yeah, I'm very, uh, I must say that I'm very proud of uh, Brother uh, Napoleon. Mm. Uh, and I think, in fact, I think, um, uh, and there was a record, as a Muslim record producer, you know, impressed by the way how Napoleon, because he, he's all about gangs. It's all about, um, you know, all these things, you know, he, he's a rapper. He's very well known. Tupac, everybody knows Tupac. And you, you, the older generation like us know Tupac. And I probably, I'm not sure about you, Shay, but, you know, those, uh, for me, you know, we know that well, right? What is and that? What is that? Tupac is another singer with him. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay. who was shot dead. So, yeah. Uh, anyhow, so, you know, one thing about Brother Napoleon is, you know, he forsake everything when he became Muslim, alcohol, drugs, right? And he even forsake hip hop because, you know, that's not the teaching of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Even though the message was positive, he wouldn't do it, you know? And that's something that, um, you know, I'm proud of him. And I think, you know, the, whoever, the brother who uh, decided rather than taking his money back and actually invite him to the masjid have done a huge favor for him. 
And of course, it's a very, 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 very good role model. And Alhamdulillah, it's good. So I got another second clip of him that we'll yep. watch together, inshallah. And then, uh, and then we will discuss a bit more. Bismillah. Okay. And I'll start the video. Prayer time came, and this brother told me to pray. I told him I don't know how to pray. I told him I never prayed in my life. And I remember his words. He said, pray with us. Whatever you see us do, you do. But when you put your face in the floor, remember that you're only worshiping your creator. So whatever you want, you ask your creator. And I remember when I put my face down to the floor, this particular time in my life, I didn't want money. I didn't want anything from dunya. Only thing I wanted was happiness and tranquility. That's, I would have gave my money up to be happy. So when prayer time came, I remember putting my face down to the floor and I remember praying to God. I said, oh God, can you please guide me to a way of life that will bring my happiness? Guide me to a way of life that will bring my happiness. So when the prayer was over, I asked the brother, I said, give me literature of the Quran. I mean the literature of Islam. He gave me the English translation of the Quran. I rushed to my house just so that I can read it. When I started reading this literature, I started reading the prayer time came and this brother told me to pray. I told him I that's another power of the prayers and actually asking God himself to guide you. Not anyone else's, not under anyone's name, not, not under truth, anything, but directly to Allah Azawajal. So that's how one of the reasons that, you know, this is the fact, Shaykh, is it true that if you were to ask God something, he will listen to you? Will he listen to you? Absolutely, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us that in the Quran. He said, ask me, I will answer you. He also said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa if they ask me about if they ask you about me, tell them I'm near. And I hear them. Allah knows what we're going to ask him before we even open our mouths to ask him. Allah knows that. Because he created us and he created our language. He knows all that. That is why it is very important when someone, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes you demean, for one to accept Islam, don't put barriers in that person, in front of that person of uh, offering salat. Sometimes people will say, no, you need to go and have ghusl, you need to go and wash. And I know a brother, I'm told of a story where someone accepted Islam and the first thing they ask him, we need to circumcise you because you're not circumcised. And that brother got worried and he said, oh, you wanted my deen. You wanted me to leave my deen and I left it and now you want the piece of my body? We need to have a hikmah on making da'wah. We need to have the knowledge in inviting people to the deen. We have to be soft. Let's remember the story of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with the young Yahudi who used to put we have mentioned this in many of our lectures. Who used to put harmful element in the party of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. One day Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam didn't notice it. And he asked about him. They told him he is very sick. He paid him a visit. When he went and he said to him, he invited him to Islam. And this young man's father happened to be there. He turned around and he looked at his dad. 
His dad said to him, Ati Abul Qasim, obey Muhammad, Abul Qasim. And this young man took shahada. Rasulullah left. Before he got to his own house, he got told this person have died. What did he say? He said, Alhamdulillah, all praise due to Allah who have saved him from the hellfire. This is a person who just took shahada. To our knowledge, he did not offer salat. To our knowledge, he did not perform hajj. He did not give zakat. He did not fast. Nothing. But just the shahada. If that is the case, let make this deen as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us. Yuridullahu bikumul yusra wa la yuridu bikumul usra. Allah wants easiness for you. Allah doesn't want hardship for you. So let not make this thing hard for people. Sometimes people say, I'm ready to take shahada. Oh no, you have to come to the masjid. You know, we need witnesses. Or, you know, we need a certificate. We need to give a certificate. There is no need for all that. If someone says to you, I'm ready, or you can tell, you can see the person is ready to accept Islam, invite them on the spot. Unless the brother persists. Because sometimes if we prolong in giving them the shahada, Allah forbid if they were to die before they take shahada, how will we feel? We'll feel guilty for putting the barrier that hindering them accepting Islam. Like telling them they have to go and, uh, you know, they have to go and change their dress, no jeans, you know, no t-shirt, you have to take all that off, you have to wear this, and you have to put a head top and then you have to if you are not circumcised you have to be circumcised and you have to take a ghusl and all that giving all that barriers let's see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the khamr haram he did not come in one ayah and say hey this is haram stop it he took it stage by stage hmm. at last stage when the sahabas when they were ready when he said it's haram even some of the companion, what was in their tummy, they vomited it out. All this for fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because they accepted it. So we need to be mindful of all this. We need to be, we need to, no matter how we talk about this, we need to make the masjid welcoming. Mm -hmm. and we need to treat people in the masjid and out of the masjid the way we want them to be treated. No one wants to be mistreated. No one wants to be disrespected, even if they are wrong, even if they are committing haram. So why do that to Muslims and in the masjid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alam. Zakallah khairan, Sheikh. One of the things, Sheikh, you know, when we see people who accepted Islam in the masjid, there's so many people go and congratulate and uh, give them a hug, say thank you and all that. And the thing is, you know, it's very hard sometimes for those from a different culture, different background, because, you know, we tend to stay in groups, in cliques, right? What are the solutions here? I mean, we keep telling our brothers, but you know, we have preference as well, right? You know, some brothers who are, you know, because of the language, very language, and they might talk about the same thing. How do you see the way how we can make everybody together? The, for me, and I'll say how I felt first, and then you know, share. 
is there is no point in keep telling the brothers to go and talk because everybody is always going to be different. And, you know, they're always going to have a different, you know, preference, different food preference, different way. You know, some people might be extrovert, some might be introvert. I think the only solution to get everybody together is for the masajid to actually have a regular programs. Not just lectures, not just talks, but just regular program. Like a brother Muta mentioned when he say, it's what he said in the masjid is a brotherhood, that we are closed. We are close to one another. We look after one another. So that's the only way is to do activities, to do regular programs. It doesn't have to be a big program a lot of time. It doesn't, we doesn't need to spend thousands of dollars for a program. No, I think it would be a simple program, but more frequent and regular. And, you know, have, an, have a place like a, like a small gym in the masjid or like a play area and, uh, you know, regular quiz programs and get the kids to be excited about, get the kids to be happy about. That, to me, is the only way we can bring people together, you know, by activities, not just by talking, by telling people to be open, you know, uh, to understand better, but we need to get people to just get to know each other by doing certain activities. Because, you know, Sheikh, sometimes when we are, you know, in like in the company, like in the company uh, programs, or, you know, I, perhaps the same thing as well in the, for the government. And we do regular programs. They call it the bonding, right? Building the relationships. Sometimes you go to a camp together and then you do things together. And then, because that will be the experience that you will remember. But again, it don't have to be the camp. You could just be something local, play soccer together, training together. Um, Basketball, whatever can it can be. That's my perspective, Shay. What's your thoughts on that, or do you have any other advice on that? Any halal activity is absolutely recommended because it is what builds the community. It what strengthen them together. We need to go back and see the story of the Sahabas. With Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And uh, when they are happy, they are in the masjid. When they are upset, they are in the masjid. We know the story of uh, Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha. When Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came home and he saw her, he noticed that she was not happy. He asked her, what happened? She said, I argued with Ali and he left. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam knew where to find him. She just said, we argued and he left. Rasulullah sallam went to the masjid and he found him. And he said to him, Kum ya Rab. He said, get up. I mean, where did he went? To the masjid. To the masjid. From home to the masjid. As we said before, Rasulullah sallam Building the masjid in Medina was the first action he did and reuniting among the Muhajirin and the Ansar. Today, what we can do, we can do many halal programs outside of the masjid that will bring us all together, that will unite us, that will strengthen us and make us even closer to each other so that we feel that we are among the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam when he said matalul muslimina fi tawaddihim wa tarahumihim kama sal jasal wahid iza ashtaka minhu udun tada'a lahu sa'iru jasadi bisahri wal humma the believers are like one body we are talking here in new zealand 
some people watching us or who will watch this in the future might be in Mongolia, might be anywhere around the world. We are one body. When one part feels the pain, the rest of the other body feels the pain. So there is nothing better than coming together, united under one umbrella, that is Shahadatu Allah, ilaha illallah, wanna Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because Islam have got no geographical barrier. Islamically, Islam have got no geographical barrier. So it is the only way we can strengthen. Let's look at Salatul Juma. Let's look at, uh, say, Umrah. Let's look at Hajj. See, different people, kings, ministers, officials, non-officials, rich, poor, able, non-able body, everyone for Arafah wearing the same thing. Worshipping the same God, Allah, at the same place, asking for the same thing. What is that? That is success in this life and in the Akhirah. And the only way to success, that is making it to Jannah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us Jannah. Ameen. Sayyidullah Khairan Shah. There's a question about when is the VY event coming, inshallah. You know, just check our Facebook. <laughs> I think that the word what I was looking for was the uh, team building, right? Team yeah. building events. You know, that's the, the word. Um, you know, you have to build teams. And that's what you do. The events, regular programs. That's what we have to do. There's no other way. Because there's always going to be preferences. But sometimes, you know, the brothers that you think may be different from you actually closer to you. So that's the only way to know is to actually to do something and spend time together. Yeah. Um, uh, Sheikh, I'll, since we talk about this, right, and, and I, I think we better talk about differences among us. Yeah. Now, there will always going to be differences among us because we are made different. When I say made different is our upbringing, our understanding, our mindset, what we, our experience in our life, and the things that how we've been brought up. It all you know, form that our thoughts and our thinking. Everybody's different and that's what makes our world is unique. Our world is interesting. Because if everyone is the same, then we'll be just robots, right? <laughs> we'll just be like robots and there will be no, it'll be a boring place. So when we were to have disagreement, be in the masjid or be it in the, uh, in the community, we, we can air our disagreement. We can say how we feel about it. And personally, I said, you know, you do what you say, what you feel, you know, of course, with the good manners, it's to say, you know, with the, with the appropriate manners, good manners. And we don't have to agree with everything what the brother or the sisters are doing or whatever their decision making, right? Because this is the, this is, this is normal. I'm sure, Sheikh, you know, in your workplace, there's always going to be one or two who disagree with you, right? But how do we respond? when someone have differences with you in the matter of, you know, making certain decisions. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, the Tawheed or any basic thing, teachings of Islam. I'm talking about that. Okay, that's clear. You know, the teaching of Muhammad Sallallahu the, yeah, the teaching of the Quran, it's, it's perfect, it's clear. You know, um, if, if someone is were to say anything against that, then they're wrong, they're wrong. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the worldly decision. Yeah. Whether... You know, the mosque should be divided here or whether we should run a program or whether, you know, uh, you know we should uh, cooking this type of food, you know, whether it be 
biryani, palau, roti, whatever it is may so be, right? And yeah. we're allowed to have differences of that. So how do we respond to that when we have a disagreement with someone? How should we should behave? Now, the, the problem what I see sometimes is when someone has a disagreement, you boycott that person. You boycott that. You know, you boycott the, the program, for example, because you know, they don't do what I want them to do, so I wouldn't do it. You know, I wanted to do this way, they won't do it, so I'm going to boycott them. So this is how I t- see sometimes the way how people respond. So, I mean, uh, that's wrong. First of all, even in terms of, uh, we have to link this to to uh, our dean. The aqidah is one. The manhaj is one, is following Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This agreement will always be there. It started during the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he said, none of you should pray asr until at Bani Quraiza. The companion had a view, a different view of understanding it. Mm-hmm. Some said what he meant by that is, is for us to hurry up so by Asr, we are at Bani Quraiza. Other says no. But he meant, we go, we only pray Asr at Bani Quraiza. On the way it was Asr time, some prayed, some did not. They offered the Asr prayer when they arrived at Bani Quraiza. When they arrived to Rasulullah they told him, he did not condemn or blame any one of them. And these Sahabas, they did not boycott each other's. Mm. We also know, I I don't know who was the companion. Yes, Abu Bakr. When he was chosen as a Khalifa, what did he say? He said, I have been chosen to lead you. I am no better than you. If I am on the right path, support me. If I'm going on the wrong way, correct me. Mm-hmm. And this is this is the first Khalifa, Abu Bakr. So when it's come for the worldly things, people need to take it easy. In fact, having your opinion always taken and and your suggestions taken on board all the time. One need to be careful of that because sometimes a blaze will go in one's head and they will have an ego. If I'm not there, this thing will not run. If I don't contribute, if I don't participate, it will not run because it is always my suggestion. Be careful of that. Don't allow your Karin to play with your mind so that you lose all the good reward you did. So, it is accepting, agreeing to disagree, but the relationship still should be there. The blood, the deen relationship is far more stronger than the blood relationship. That should remain. And one, to boycott another Muslim, it shouldn't be longer than three days. And to boycott the masjid because of a brother is even wrong. That is giving yourself to the trap of Iblis because Iblis don't want you to go to the masjid. Why? Because he knows 
the more we go to the masjid, the more strong we are, the more connected we are to our creator. And the more we are connected to Allah, the more Allah is pleased with us. And when Allah is pleased with us, we haven't lost anything. And if Allah is displeased with us, if the entire universe pleased with us, we haven't gained anything. So we have to agree to disagree, but with dignity and respect. And always correcting each other's, not in public, but in confidence. That is why one of the Mashayikh said, if you correct me in public, you are humiliating me. But if you, if you correct me alone in confidence, you love me and you show me the guidance that you wanted me to follow. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, alam Allah knows best. I'm going to pick one comment today from Brother Muzon, right? Yeah. Which I think uh, we need to reflect on this. Zakallah <laughs> Brother Muzon, he's all the way from Fakatani. Um, sometimes our decisions are unconducive to the situation. And we need to accept this. Yes, it is hard, but th the best things don't come easy. So this is the thing, right, Sheikh? Um, it's, it's very hard sometimes, you know, we, we disagree or whatnot. Sometimes we just have to accept, you know, we are not always the best. And the fact <laughs> is, you know, if, like you say, Sheikh, the moment if you think you are always the one who knows better, then that means you don't know. <laughs> absolutely, you know? absolutely. Yes, absolutely. because you don't always know better. None of us always knows better. And this yeah. is the truth. Mm. Uh, you know, we all make mistakes. We all commit errors since we make, you know, we may do things that we are either intended or non-intended. We're not intended to do something that way. But this is something, a fact. And accepting that we have these mistakes and faults in our life, that, that we will make this, is much easier as a person, as a human being. So, you know, if we know that we make mistakes, sometimes our brothers or sisters also make that mistakes. Right? So, you know, so and then you will accept. So, therefore, we have to also give some what do you call leeway give it some a bit of um you know make it easy for them because the brother may have their own mistake this is their mistakes for whatever reasons so it may not be the best decision that they make the thing is no one knows what's the future right sure absolutely, make the, the, absolutely absolutely and i'm sure all of us intend to be good to do good but you know that may turn out not to be the way how we expect it to be um but hey it is what it is you know and then we'll have to the past is past and we have to move on and we have to, you know, inshallah, from that experience, we'll make better decisions. Absolutely. And for those who think, you know, they know, then contribute more. Sometimes I see, share the problem is when someone made mistakes, everybody gang up on that person, right? On on the whatever organizations, or you make this massive mistake, and forget about it, stay away from it, you know, don't be part of it, whatever it is, rather than actually wanting good for everyone. You you know, you don't want to go and fix it and help it out work it out together because we're much stronger when we work together am i right absolutely. absolutely let's remember the scene of abu Bakr siddiq at later stage of his life when they were praising him for doing good he used to supplicate and say allah don't take me responsible for what they are saying about me and forgive me and make me better than what they think of me and forgive me for what they do not know about me so if we say today if anyone who makes mistake 
we will not deal with him, then we will not be dealing with anyone. Because ourselves, we have made errors, we have made mistakes. That is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have made the door of tawbah for us open. Mm. We make mistake, we repent. Mm. When it comes for worldly things, we make mistake, we learn from it. Mm-hmm. And we make sure that we don't repeat it. Yes. It is correcting one another with respect. And also first showing them the aroha, showing them the love. Showing them the manner. Showing them that, uh, look, I'm correcting you, but it doesn't mean that I am better than you or I am perfect. I am not. It's to say, look, if you see me making mistake, correct me. And if I see you make mistake, I correct you. It is the only way. No way we can be successful. No way we can be united without holding on to the Quran and to the authentic Sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam together. Yeah. Zakallah khairan, shikababa, alhamdulillah. If you are still watching, please follow and subscribe the channel, share. Um, may Allah reward you for, for doing that. Amen. And inshallah, we'll see you again uh, at the next week or the week after, Shaykh Baba. Um, and we will do another more of our regular, the Friday special podcast. So, Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. See you again next time. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh wa maghfirat